You are listening to community-supported radio, KBMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Monday, November 30th. I'm Charlotte Peterson, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. For their support, we'd like to thank Mountain Recreation, locally owned since 2000, retailing seasonal recreation gear, including winter outerwear, skis, snowboards, also gear for seasonal or day rentals. Mountain Recreation, open daily, East Main Street, Grass Valley, mtnrec.com. And Four Paws Animal Clinic, providing medical, dental, surgical services, alternative therapies, and cat boarding for cherished companions on Searles Avenue, Nevada City. Dr. Susan Murphy and staff proudly support KVMR. F-O-U-R-P-A-U-S-E.com. Today, following NPR headlines and regional weather, Paul Emery speaks with Eliza Tudor, Executive Director of the Nevada County Arts Council. We have this week's Water News with Steve Baker. We bring you today's National Native News. And closing out today's newscast, we have Jim Hightower with a commentary. At 6.30, we bring you WINGS, the Women's International News Gathering Service, and at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. But first, NPR headlines followed by regional weather. Live from NPR News, I'm Jack Spear. The U.S. is now seeing more than 150,000 new cases of the coronavirus per day with hospitalizations rising. As NPR's Allison Arby reports, after millions of Americans ignored the CDC's advice to stay home for the Thanksgiving holiday, experts say more surges are likely. The U.S. is averaging about 1,500 deaths per day. That's about a death every minute. Hospitalizations have doubled over the last month. Los Angeles County is under a stay-at-home order beginning today, and many places around the country are tightening restrictions. Cases linked to the holiday will begin to show up soon. Most people develop symptoms about five or six days after exposure. Here's former CDC director Tom Frieden. Unfortunately, we have far too much spread in the United States, and because of that, December is likely to be a hard month. If you did travel, experts say it would be wise to limit your contacts with others over the next two weeks in case you were exposed. Allison Aubrey, NPR News. Tighter COVID-19 restrictions are going into effect today in counties in northern and southern California. In Sacramento, Governor Gavin Newsom providing his first update on the state's response to the pandemic since before Thanksgiving. He says more stay-at-home orders are possible in the hardest-hit counties, with the state's positivity rate now more than 6% over a 14-day period. If these trends continue, we're going to have to take much more dramatic arguably drastic action. Santa Clara County in Silicon Valley has temporarily banned high school, college, and professional sporting events, called for those who travel more than 150 miles outside the county to quarantine. Arizona officials have certified the results of the 2020 general election today, officially confirming President-elect Joe Biden's victory there. From member station KJZZ in Phoenix, Ben Giles has more. While signing documents to certify the general election results, Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, a Democrat, touted the near 80 percent turnout in the state. And Republican Governor Doug Ducey's signature certified Democratic Senator-elect Mark Kelly's victory in the special election to finish the term of the late Senator John McCain. Both Hobbs and Ducey praised election staff. With 2020, 
The pandemic and COVID-19 brought new, unprecedented challenges for our state. But, as I've said before, we do elections well here in Arizona. The state Republican Party can now file its planned legal challenge seeking to void the results of the presidential race. For NPR News, I'm Ben Giles in Phoenix. Several European countries say they're suspending access to ski slopes in an effort to slow the spread of the coronavirus. The World Health Organization's emergencies chief saying today risk of catching COVID while skiing is likely minimal. Activities around skiing have heightened the threat of the virus. On Wall Street today, the Dow is down 271 points. This is NPR. The nation's highest court appears to be expressing skepticism. President Trump and his administration can categorically exclude people living in the country illegally from the population count, used to allot seats among the states in the House of Representatives. However, it also appears possible justices could avoid making a final ruling on the matter till they know how broadly the Trump administration acts in its waning days, whether the House would be affected. After several months of upheaval, the zero-emissions truck starting company, startup company Nikola is canceling its planned pickup truck and hitting reboot on a relationship with GM. Bears Camila Dominowski has more. Nikola had been working on hydrogen-powered big rigs for years when it announced an electric pickup truck called the Badger. Then it revealed a splashy partnership with GM. But reporters and short sellers accused the company of exaggerating its technology, and the founder and executive chairman resigned after allegations of fraud, which he denied. Now GM says it plans to supply hydrogen fuel cell technology for Nikola's tractor trailers, but the Badger pickup is bust. Anyone who put down a deposit will get a refund. And unlike the previous deal, GM will not be taking a stake in the startup. Instead, Nikola will be paying up front to cover GM's costs. Camila Dominoski, NPR News. Crude oil futures prices moved lower today amid continued uncertainty of whether OPEC members will continue with production cuts. Oil fell 19 cents a barrel to settle at 45.34 a barrel in New York. The Nasdaq was down seven points today. The Standard & Poor's 500 closed down 16 points. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News. Now for regional weather. According to the National Weather Service, tonight in the Grass Valley, Nevada City area will be mostly clear with a low around 37. Tuesday will be sunny with a high near 59 with mostly clear skies overnight and a low around 37. Tonight in Sacramento will be mostly clear with a low around 36. On Tuesday, areas of frost are expected before 10 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 63 and an overnight low near 36 with mostly clear skies. In Truckee tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 18. Tuesday will be sunny with a high near 44 and mostly clear skies overnight with a low near 17. And in Angels Camp tonight, skies will be mostly clear with a low around 39. Tuesday will be sunny with a high near 61 and mostly clear skies overnight with a low around 41. I'm speaking with Eliza Tudor. She's executive director of the Nevada County Arts Council. Well, welcome to KVMR, Eliza. Thank you so much, Paul, my old friend. How super to talk to you. You know, it's been a while since we've had a chat, but the time is time is different now than it has been in past years. It just goes <laughs> awfully <all>. fast. <laughs> I know, and it's very surreal, isn't it, as we all navigate this crazy uh, time. 
you know, for our listeners, uh, tell us mm-hmm. about the Nevada County Arts Council and, and your role in it. Sure. So I work as the executive director, and I'm the the sole em- the sole sort of permanent employee as executive director. But at any given time, we're working with between five and twenty independent contractors. Um, who all have very specific um, and very important, significant roles to play within the, you know, the in service to the community. So, and those independent contractors are artists and cultural workers and consultants. And so, as you know, we're we're very sort of project oriented, and at the same time, within the background, um, we continue with our mission to be the hub for information on the arts in Nevada County and the go-to place for ways to get involved. So we're state local partner it's an expression state local partner between california arts council and the county of nevada Um, we're a 501c3 and our role is really to facilitate collaborative efforts that promote and sustain the visual literary and performing arts in nevada county and why do we do this we do it to advance the cultural social and economic life of our community and those things are so connected as we all know so this is a different year than uh, you know than it has been. Uh, that's an understatement. The, uh, I was made aware that the the, the phrase uh, twenty twenty hindsight is going to have a different meaning in the future. I think. I know, and I you you can hear me laughing in response. I think we are, we're all sort of in that suspended reality where we don't know whether to laugh or cry at the at the reality of that. But for sure, we're all in it together, and we're forging ahead and. When we come out the other side of this pandemic, we will all be much closer and we will be kind of up to speed with the 21st century in whole new ways, won't we? I do believe so. Yes. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the, mm-hmm. the some of the programs and some of the ideas that are happening this year that are somewhat unique to this sure. year, but but maybe part of the future. Um, so, in a certain sense, this is an opportunity to explore new ideas because you have to. You have no choice. But but a little, little kind of sarcastic laugh there. But uh, <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, shopping with artists. Tell us about this. So shopping with artists um, really has come about from, uh, you know, the understanding that our creative sector has suffered devastating losses. Um, Whether we're speaking of the, you know, the amazing, um, you know, diversity of of legacy arts organizations within Nevada County and California and globally, or whether we're talking about the fate of individual artists and how they've been able to maintain revenue during this time. And um, we know that almost you yourself are a performer, you know that you would have canceled so much. Um, um, a lot of your uh, your income this year would have been severely impacted. And so our role as an arts council has been to connect you and to connect um, our arts organizations with opportunities and resources Um, emergency sources of funding, um, as well as advocate for inclusion for the arts in other key fundraising efforts. So, for example, the Nevada County Relief Fund, which was set up by the county, um, was a great opportunity for artists to apply. And our role was as helping the county see, understand through early surveying, um, early impact surveying, how important the arts are. to the community long term and how much help they need now. So 
that's the kind of kind of pivot, if you like, to use that completely overused word of the moment um, that we've worked on this year. Um, so we, our website has been a key place that people can go for resources. Um, we've been, you know, we, we became pretty adept. We were already pretty adept at running online meetups um, and virtual convenings, you know, through Zoom, et cetera, et cetera. So we've been hosting monthly meetups as, at a minimum um, to, to provide consulting and guidance and an opportunity to talk and connect every month. Um, and then, of course, we started our own fund for professional artists, um, which we've yet to spend down. And we will do so by probably the very beginning part of the, the year. We'll have spent those funds. Um, now, now, Shopping with Artists is a specific program that is starting. It is. Tell us about yes. this. So Shopping with Artists is an initiative um, that launches formally this first week of December. So by the end of the week, um, and in fact, even if you if you were to go onto our website today, um, uh, you'd find information on it. it. It provides our community with a fabulous local online shopping experience as we approach the holiday season um, and close out 2020. If it's successful, we will continue it on into the new year, of course, and throughout the remainder of COVID. Um, so it supports local professional artists. Um, what we ask our artists to do is provide us with a link to the page um, their webpage from which they sell and offer merchandise, for example. And um, and then we uh, share an image of their work um, and, you know, a shop now button. So basically anyone considering um, supporting our local artist community and finding fabulous ways to give um, uh, for friends and family, please, please support this effort because it's a win-win for everyone. So it's kind um, of a hub. It's a hub. We provide links to every artist that has something to sell at a certain level. You know, our professional artists who have diverse forms of merchandise and including their own art. Um, and this is also running simultaneous to, um, uh, you know, to our art in storefronts project. And you've probably heard about that, haven't you, Paul? Yes, I have. It's amazing. Uh, so, now, this is... Uh, People would go to your to the Arts Council website, and from there, mm -hmm. there'd be links to all of this. Exactly. So it's Nevada County Arts, plural, nevadacountyarts.org, and then forward slash shopping dash with dash artists. As simple as that. So Nevada County Arts, shopping with artists. And um, Are there... we'll be sending out a dedicated newsletter, and we'll be posting it like crazy this week. Towards the end of the week on social media, um, sure. so that's a chance for people to shop online because it's mm -hmm. convenient and it's safe, um, and support local artists at the same time. So it's a win-win situation. Absolutely, absolutely. But the, there is a if if we have a moment, I'd love to do a little bit of a call out to another initiative of ours, um, which is called. Um, uh, Nevada County Cares for the Arts. And it's a bit of a play on the work because, as you know, um, the f uh, we've received a small amount of funding through the state, through California Arts Council, to support organizations and less formal groups who have cultural programming that supports communities of color. 
Um, we always assume, and we're very used to sh sharing with the world, what, that, that we are the second whitest county in California. But we are also a diverse community. Um, it's, uh, it's a case of becoming familiar with what it means to support our diverse community. And this grant, this small opportunity, provides funding for those organizations that provide support for communities of color through the arts. Um, and, and so uh, we're looking, if you can hear me, if, you're, if you are an arts organization or you represent a less formal group that provides creative programming that supports communities of color who have been harder hit than any by COVID-19, please get in touch with us again. Nevada County Arts, A-R-T-S dot O-R-G. Well, Eliza, there's lots of things we can talk about. But, I know. But that's, I know. But that's all the time we have for right now. And uh, feel free to contact KVMR when you have something you would like to talk about or something that's happening. And we'll just keep in touch, like we have for many, many years. For many years. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank Take you. Take care now. Thank you, Eliza. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. I've been speaking with Eliza Tudor, Executive Director of the Nevada County Arts Council. This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Well, Steve, um, welcome to KVMR. Here's something. Uh, I find it kind of disheartening not to see any rain in the forecast, but are there some benefit? What positive circumstances are you seeing? That's a good question, Paul, because lack of water does have its advantages and its disadvantages. Uh, our neighbors, for example, they're building their home, and they need to get the shingles on the roof. They need the windows to go in, and they need that siding place before the rains come. And so now they have time to do that, fortunately. So, so basically, the construction season becomes longer, and, and also tree maintenance, completed by not only private owners, but, you know, PG&E. We see them all the time out there doing their job. They can accomplish more with this extra time, so that most certainly is a benefit. Another benefit is to, you know, look at your water supplies during these low rain periods, and then notice how it's affecting the streams around you, the creeks around you, and even your wells. It's really a time of, of discovery, it's important for all of us to know how resilient we are, okay? So these current circumstances can lead us to, uh, to that knowledge of understanding that. And, of course, you know, you compare that water supply condition that you're in with, with what your water demand is, what demand you're putting on, on, on the water supply. So, you know, when, when we have all this information, uh, we can start using alternative practices that could remove any negative conditions that we we are observing. So it really is a time that we can build tenacity and resilience. Well, there are bad experiences happening because of what appears to be um, a delayed rain because uh, we were all excited and rain came. And then it went away. Yeah, but <laughs> that did kind of mitigate the fire danger at this time. Uh, um, what are some other things that maybe or you know, good results of this? Well, you know, let me throw out an example to you. I, I know of a private property owner down in Madera County. Okay, that's down in the Central Valley. The homeowner is on a private well, and they've been there since 1967. It's been a long time, and they've always had this a reliable source of groundwater from that well. Well, now their neighbors, uh, who are farmers, 
uh, small farmers, they, they have a small almond orchard there, and they're watering that orchard. The water comes from the ground. <clears throat> they have a, it's a well, so it's a nearby well to the, these private well owners. Unfortunately, the homeowners now's well is going dry, and it's going to cost them another $20,000 to fix the problem, to deepen that well. And, of course, that's doable if you have the money, but in this particular case, the private property owners are on a fixed income. So they can't afford to pay for that, that deepening of the well. So the way you turn a bad situation good is to engage with a local groundwater management agency. And the best groundwater management practices, it's pretty much known in California, certainly, is a local groundwater management. And so for this particular family, they, they need to communicate with the groundwater sustainability agency that was created as a result of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act of 2016. That was Governor, Governor Brown's act that he passed. Uh, before that, you had no place to go with a grievance like this. Now you do. So it's, it's really a good idea. And, and, you know, undermining the water levels by a neighbor overpumping the aquifer, that can happen almost anywhere, even in the foothills here. So having an ombudsman or a collaborative mediation-oriented entity becomes the sharpest tool in the toolbox. It's a great way to go. And uh, I, would, I would hope that, uh, you know, we can even consider that ourselves. So I take it then there is a positive spin to the story. There is, absolutely. I've always seen the value of this collaborative uh, mediation approach in the Foothill area. We, we really, truly can. Uh, we're, we're, we're taking these big water supply risks right now, and uh, that's going to cause us to be in the midst of water conflicts in the future. And nobody wants to have that happen. So... So what they're doing in the Central Valley is going to be happening in the foothills as well. And, and it's going to be a little more difficult up here because we have geology that's more complex. We have a fractured rock environment. And then we have the economic limitations up here. Uh, domestic populations don't have as much money as, as agricultural and, and industrial populations. So, you know, I have some ideas about this myself. And I would love to hear from others as to how they see us managing ourselves up here without stepping on toes, but managing ourselves and our groundwater conditions as things get, uh, you know, more dry, more difficult. So let me know. Yeah. And uh, I can uh, tell you how to get a hold of you. Tell our listeners. Uh, All right. You can get a hold of Steve uh, with your questions. That's at Steve Baker at operationunite.co. All right. Well, thank you, Paul. You bet. Uh, managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Navajo Department of Health Executive Director Dr. Jill Jim has been selected to serve on the Biden-Harris COVID-19 Advisory Board, according to the Navajo Nation. The board will help advise the next presidential administration on the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Jim has been leading the Navajo Health Department since January and has been helping the tribe with COVID-19 measures. 
In a statement, Dr. Jim said she looks forward to working with other members on the advisory board to help prepare an urgent response to the global public health crisis for President-elect Biden. Her selection comes as the tribe is seeing a surge of COVID-19 cases. The Navajo Nation is currently under a three-week stay-at-home lockdown to address the increase of cases. As of Sunday, the number of positive COVID-19 cases for the Navajo Nation reached more than 16,000. Bristol Bay tribes in Alaska are calling for permanent protection of the Bristol Bay watershed after a permit for a proposed copper and gold mine was denied. The tribe celebrated news the Army Corps of Engineers denied a permit for the pebble mine. The tribes are seeking permanent protection for the region, concerned about threats of mining to the environment, fish, and their cultures. The Pebble Partnership in a statement expressed dismay as it sorts out next steps, including an appeal. The new television show Big Sky is facing backlash from critics who say ABC overlooked an opportunity to talk about a real crisis in Montana. Yellowstone Public Radio's Caitlin Nicholas has more. ABC's new procedural drama Big Sky, based on Wyoming author C.J. Box's novel The Highway and adapted by the screenwriter of Big Little Lies, follows the disappearance of two women near Yellowstone National Park. Lock the doors. What? We're fine. Both women are white. In a state where 26% of all missing persons are Native American, indigenous critics say it's a misstep to ignore the actual crisis of missing and murdered indigenous persons in Montana. Barbara Bassett, a Chippewa Cree tribal member and a Great Falls state representative, decided to live tweet the recent premiere. No representation of one Native person through the entire episode. After the premiere, the Rocky Mountain Tribal Leaders Council, along with other Native American groups, sent a letter to ABC executives critiquing the show and asking producers to direct their national audience toward information on missing and murdered Indigenous women after each episode. ABC did not respond to interview requests in time for broadcast and hasn't publicly responded. Some critics say they're relieved Natives aren't referenced in the show because none of Big Sky's writers are Indigenous. Bissette says this is part of the problem. They missed an amazing opportunity to not only find Indigenous writers and Indigenous actors who are already underrepresented, they could have brought MMIW to national attention as well. Ivan McDonald, a Blackfeet Nation member and filmmaker, says national attention by mainstream media can bolster interest in important funding for MMIW activism. He says Wind River, a 2017 film about the murder of a Native woman in Wyoming, drew important national attention to MMIW issues. I think particularly at this kind of time in history is really when the film industry and media industry should really be investing if we're going to be telling Indigenous stories, you know, some of the most neglected stories in the country, even though they're the longest stories here. With critical reviews from the likes of Rolling Stone calling Big Sky exploitative and disappointing, McDonald says there are plenty of great films to be watching instead. Throughout this month, the Smithsonian is streaming their Native Cinema Showcase. All Nations Health Center in Missoula is streaming the fourth annual Indigenous Film Festival. State lawmaker Bissett says representation is important because it helps people reimagine what they can do with their lives. So when you're reflected, when you see those things in pop culture, in politics, you feel empowered and you know that that is something that is open to you. That was Caitlin Nicholas reporting and I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Closing out today's newscast, we have Jim Hightower with a commentary. 
America certainly has an abundance of food, even though many Americans do not. Yet, we face a momentous choice of whether to pursue a food future rooted in the ethic of sustainable agriculture or one based on the exploitative ethic of agri-industry. What better symbol of agri-industry's vision of food than that ubiquitous Thanksgiving bird, the butterball turkey? The butterball has been hoisted onto our tables by huge advertising budgets and regular promotion payments to supermarkets. The birds themselves have been grotesquely deformed by industrial geneticists who created breasts so ponderous that the turkeys can't walk, stand up, or even reproduce on their own, thus earning the nickname dead-end birds. Adding torture to this intentional deformity, the industry sentences these once-majestic fowl to dismal lives in tiny confinement cages inside the sprawling steel and concrete animal factories that scar America's rural landscape, monuments to greed-based corporate husbandry. As the eminent farmer-poet-activist Wendell Berry tells us, eating is a profound political act. It lets you and me vote for the butterball industrial model or choose to go back to the future of agriculture, which is the art and science of cooperating with rather than trying to overwhelm nature. That cooperative ethic is the choice of the remarkable good food uprising that has spread across the country in the past 30 years. Now, the fastest-growing segment of the food economy, it is creating the alternative model of a local, sustainable, small-scale, community-based, organic, humane, healthy, democratic, and tasty food system for all. This is Jim Hightower saying, to take part in the good food movement and find small-scale farmers, artisans, farmers markets, and other resources in your area, visit www.localharvest.org. Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's take on what Wall Street and Washington are up to. For information, visit HightowerLowdown.org. That's our newscast for this evening. KVMR's Evening News airs Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. and is produced by Emory Audio Productions. Coming up next, we bring you WINGS, the Women's International News Gathering Service, and at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. For Amory Audio Productions, I'm Charlotte Peterson, wishing you a fabulous evening. (music) 